Hi everyone, I'm Sarah and this is How To Be Good, the podcast that explores what it means to be a good person in today's world. Today we're focusing on Sikhism and I'm talking with lifelong Sikh Simran Singh. Our guiding prayer is I'm not good and nobody's bad. Simran is a Sikh human rights activist and social entrepreneur. In 2021, the National Stop the Violence Alliance honoured him as an outstanding man because of his dedication to peace, compassion, diversity and unity, among many other things. But you do have to lead with your values. People do business with people they like and trust. As a business executive, Simran was a senior VP at ACAL Global, which was the largest employer of retired American police officers in the world. And he is the chairman of the advisory board for EOR, an Intel information technology firm supporting the US and allied governments. Simran's openness in this interview made for such a beautiful conversation. And as well as covering fundamentals about the Sikh faith, we spoke about the importance of self-love and forgiveness in our personal journeys. Because what's important is who you are today. I asked Simran to start us off with a quick summary of Sikhism. So that's where our conversation gets started. It is my absolute joy to introduce you all to Simran Singh. Sikhism is the fifth largest religion in the world. Now, the larger ones have billions or many hundreds of millions of members. And after that comes Sikhism at 25 million. Sikhism originated in India, like Buddhism, actually. But it's a fairly young religion. It's about 500 years old. And it was born in a time when India had a religious war um, that had gone on for, for many hundreds of years. And remember that Buddha was, uh, was Indian, but there are virtually no Buddhists, very, very few Buddhists in India. Of course, the Dalai Lama is there in exile, but he's Tibetan. So the Indian Buddhists were in the 1300s. They were wiped out. And what was left then was, the, was a large Hindu population. They went back and forth in, in this multi-hundred-year religious war that saw unbelievable atrocities. And a lot of this played out in the Punjab, the land of the five rivers, those come down from the Himalayas. And the Punjab, like Le- Jerusalem, is a, is a place where people move through miles of uh, farmland and then jungle that today feeds most of India and, and then uh, was the place where invading armies would come through. What happened after hundreds and hundreds of years of fighting there over which God and which religion was better, there was a, a man called Nanak, and he dressed as half a Muslim and has half a Hindu, and he had a Muslim and a Hindu musician. And he said, God is in everyone. And that was his philosophy. And, and over the next few hundred, hundred years, the Sikh had kind of started as a social movement. Everybody's equal before God, and God is in every heart. And it turned, into, it turned into integrated armies that liberated India. Anyways, to Sikhs, we, we pride ourselves. We pray that we get to protect people, that we are strong enough and compassionate enough and courageous enough to protect the weakest among us. And India is, India certainly has human rights issues, many, many, many of them, but it is a pluralistic country. Uh, all the religions are there and by and large get along and love and accept each other. Thank you. I'm mentioning compassion and that kind of want to protect. What does it mean within Sikhism to be a good person and to live a life of goodness? I love that question. 
and I've listened to your shows, and I want to challenge our binary thinking a little bit here. Yes, as, as Sikhs, we have five vices, five thieves. They steal joy from our lives. They, they steal our connectedness to each other, to our own hearts, to ourselves, to our divinity. We call them kam krud lup moho ankar. That's lust, anger, greed, attachment, and pride. So we are supposed to stay away from that. And we are asked to live within five virtues, sat, deya, santok, namurata, and pya, which describe our commitment to truth, compassion, contentment, humility, and love. Easy enough to say. And now I'm right, we're right into binary thinking. But so if, if I can just live this way, if I, if I ignore the five thieves and if I walk towards the five virtues, then I must be a good person. But then our scripture says, I'm not good and nobody is bad. So we have to reconcile that. If I'm striving to live the kind of life that these vices and virtues require of me, at the end of that, I'm still not good. And nobody else is still not bad. Our movies and our stories have villains and they have good and bad. And so we love to talk about, you know, we love to want to be good. And we kind of have a hard time getting there. We pray that we can move towards it. If you could do that, you probably would be enlightened. And then we love to cancel people. We love to point as others as bad, people who don't agree with us, especially here in the U.S. We have two political parties. Each one thinks the other one is absolutely horrible. And even as Sikhs, we have this ethic of fighting, standing up for truth, fighting for truth. But that just gets us to two sides fighting over who is good and who is bad. And you don't get to each other's hearts. You don't get to having a, a real conversation, understanding the other side. So I really love this seek prayer and the seek reflection that I'm not good and nobody's bad and everything is God's will. Thank you. That seek prayer is such a beautiful reminder to not slip into binary thinking. And it, as you know, it's something that's come up in a lot of these interviews and we focused a bite-sized episode on the dangers of binary thinking because it's such an easy habit to slip into in our day-to-day -day lives. You also mentioned the, the five vices to stay away from. So lust, anger, greed, attachment, and pride. I'm really interested to hear how the concept of forgiveness works within Sikhism. So if you happen to fall into one of those vices or started your behavior started going in the direction of one of those five vices, how does the concept of forgiveness work? Is there the opportunity for redemption? How is that within Sikhism? That's an incredible question. And I think especially in, in the West, much, much contemplated. How do I go from being bad, having been born in sin, to now being good? Where's my redemption point? And then the question begs, what do I do when I disappoint myself and I become bad again? Who wakes up good all the time? It's not a realistic concept to us. But forgiveness is, and self-love is, and working towards these five virtues, working towards the person, to becoming a person that embodies this, these virtues and is thereby happy, that is thereby content, that thereby lives a life that they're proud of. Not to avoid being bad, but to align with what our prayer is for our presence in this world and getting the job done that we came here to do. Sikhism believes in reincarnation, as do most Dharmic traditions and most Abrahamic faiths take a different approach, and we love and respect all of them. 
And we don't think it particularly matters because what's important is who you are today. But but if if you believe in reincarnation and that re- reincarnation is a kind of evolutionary process where you get to today, you have spent millions of lives in that philosophy, committing just about every crime and every sin and every horrible thing that can be done. The things that are being done to you today, you have done to others earlier in this life. Maybe you did it yesterday. Maybe you did it 10 lifetimes ago. And so if we believe in reincarnation, even as a philosophy, then we have to understand that we've done all these things ourselves. So we start with self-love and forgiveness. And how many of us have done things this life that we aren't proud of? I have many, many, many things. They can be painful to think about. But do we still get to love ourselves? Do we still get to respect ourselves? Do we still get to look in the mirror? And if I make a mistake today, which I probably will, do I still get to turn around tomorrow and say, I love myself and I'm okay. And I'm going to try my best again and again and again. And the Sikh philosophy goes on here to suggest that it's by the grace of the divine, that which guides us, that we do good or bad things. It's our responsibility. But when our hearts open and we become virtuous, as our scriptures describe, that's a gift. That's almost, it's our responsibility to get there, but it's almost not up to us. It's a gift to be so connected to yourself that you can be kind to somebody else. What would be some of the practices you would do as an individual to get closer to that? Is that through prayer, meditation, or movement? Is there specific practices within Sikhism for that purpose? Our prayer as Sikhs is that all people might prosper. And we do believe that all rivers lead to the ocean. Now you have to swim, but they do take you there. And so our prayer is that people practice their faith honestly and purely and with complete devotion and self-love and self-respect and respect with that which created them. For Sikhs, we have, there are three pillars to our lives. We call them Nam Japna, which means to meditate on the divine, to, to work towards a connection. Now, we know meditation is not, you know, it can be boring. It can be uh, burdensome, and some people love it. And many hundreds of millions in the West want to try it and, and haven't um, because it's too scary to sit there with your eyes closed. But what, what does meditating on the divine mean to us? It means a certain connection. Our hearts are in in, in the heart of the divine. So we look for a connection. That doesn't mean we try to be good. It means we try to be connected and act from that place. We have Kirat Karni, which is our second pillar, which describes honest living. And um, it's been described as working by the sweat of your brow, which means you work honestly. You work as a producing, contributing member of society to the best of your ability. And it's important for us because uh, in India, there is, a, there is a propensity to renounce the world. And we have it here. We have nuns and monks. And there are Sikhs who do withdraw and, and really focus on their faith. But for the large body of Sikhs, we look to be members of our family, contributing members of our family in society, in our local, national regional, and then international levels. We try to contribute, we try to be present, and we try to do that honestly. And then the third pillar is Vanchakna, which means sharing with others. So part of what we earn honestly, 
we would then contribute back to society. Those are the three pillars of, of, of life that we see as, as a practicing Sikh. Now, to get to a point of, of having mental clarity and connectedness, that's our meditation. Those are our prayers. There's a meditation practice. There's a devotional practice. We are deeply, deeply in love with music. All our worship services have music in them. And, uh, and we sing, and we really we say prayers every day that try to get us to this point. Now, those prayers aren't so much designed rationally to get us to think about how to not be bad. But the word man means mind, and tra means to tune. So a mantra, if these are mantras, it means to tune the mind. So we say them, and by saying them, we become more like uh, what the prayers aspire towards. It's more of a, um, a meditative process than a, than a rational process. It tries to move be, beyond the rationality of it. And I can say, fortunately, for me, it works. And for some people, it works. For some people, it doesn't. And that's okay. It's not required. We, if whether or not what works in your life to us is a gift that you receive, we just hope that you find what works for you. And we're sharing that. Nick, you were born in Germany and then lived as a student and teacher in India and then moved across to America. So you've experienced three quite different cultures. How has your idea of what being a good person, or maybe you would say kind of being more connected, how has that evolved as you've made those geographical moves and those cultural moves? It's very clear that cultures look at it differently. And within cultures, subcultures look at it differently. I can say here in the US, a Democrat thinks it's good to be a Democrat and a Republican thinks it's good to be a, a Republican. And there's very little common ground. Germans work in right or wrong. That's what we do. <laughs> and um, India is much more fluid in its interpretation of right and wrong, but works towards this connectedness that I fell in love with when I was there. And what I love about the U.S. is it's striving for the liberty of each individual to be held sacred. It's the, the First Amendment of our Constitution, which protects our right to have any state of mind that our conscience dictates, as long as it doesn't harm other people. It's been interesting moving through these cultures. I know that in, in Germany, uh, I'm from Hamburg. Hamburg is a beautiful city. It has the highest concentration of millionaires and billionaires of any city in the world. It's small. It's you know, it's just less than a few million people. And uh, it's tremendous fun. We have the third most shows and musicals in the world after New York and London, but, but then we're so tiny. And then you get to India, which is overpopulated, which is short, several hundred million toilets, and where poverty is pervasive and everywhere. But over the weeks and months, I, I saw the poorest people I'd ever seen smile bigger than the richest kids I knew from Hamburg and started confusing me as to what the nature of happiness was and what the nature of goodness was. And I also noticed uh, Western fragility. I think many of us in the West, we don't really like to think about how bad of a condition the third world is really in. And so growing up between those worlds makes you roll your eyes a little bit at, at our own fragility when confronted with poverty. and. I stopped listening to lectures of what it meant to be good from the Western perspective because I started under, understanding that human suffering was far, far larger 
than the West was contemplating. And I couldn't reconcile why people could suffer and still smile big. It was a big spiritual moment for me. I was 12 years old at the time. How do you balance not only the experience of seeing that in India, but also those Sikh values? How do you balance that then dealing with that push from corporate America? Well, you do hear this all the time that that either you are, in fact, I had this conversation this week with somebody who said, if I want to be a, a successful business person, I can't be a spiritual person. It's either or. Business is all about taking as much as possible, getting ahead or getting wealthy. And if you're spiritual, you are not that way. So they're fundamentally in conflict. That's not what I found in the parts of the U.S. corporate sector that I worked with. I walked in with a turban and a beard to many of my meetings. So what I did have to do is explain who I was in cases where people were confused by the appearance. And that's most cases, to be fair. But then if I could do that in Washington, then people would be happy to partner and happy to work together and happy to explore how to build a stronger country and how to make money. This U.S. ability to be a melting pot and include everyone is really, to me, has been incredible. But you do have to lead with your values. You can't, even there, you can't lead with the numbers until you've led with the values. As I learned it, people do business with people they like and trust. So how do you, how do you look so different and how do you get to a place of trust? For me, it's been through connectedness. And, but then I found my best friends in the world and incredible partnerships through, my, uh, through that work. And that's your experience as a Sikh man within that American corporate world. And I imagine it could be quite different for a Sikh woman within that same environment. How do gender roles and how is the gender debate developing within Sikhism? That is a constant and still evolving conversation within Sikhism. And, you know, you can talk about, you know, gender balance and balance, then you can talk about transgender issues, and you can certainly talk about gay rights issues and, and all kinds of other human rights issues that we understand religions to infringe upon when they're male-led and, and cling to what we hope are outdated cultural norms. The founding values of Sikhism are very clearly that men and women are equal in every way. And as it's explained to me in my upbringing, women have far more capacity than men to be intuitive and connected and and spiritual for that matter, that really these things should be led by women. So that has been my closely held belief. But then when I look at the Sikh religion, we have really 10 key saints. They're all men. So I do have a, have a bit of a difficult time explaining that to my daughters. Now, all those men are known to have honored and revered women in ways that were absolutely groundbreaking in what is you know, a very, by Western standards and really academically studied, a very um, uh, sexist part of the world. Um, they were pioneers in women's rights. Nevertheless, as how many, from how many faiths do we have saints that are men? Something doesn't quite add up to me personally there. As Sikhs, we are constantly exploring this relationship between women and women who who get to perform religious functions. In some of our temples, women don't get to be priests. In others, we do. So it's a very much an alive and active conversation. 
Have you personally ever had any moments throughout your journey um, that you've doubted whether you're a good person? Have there been ever any really kind of shaky parts of what you were doing where you thought, oh, I didn't feel that I was kind of a good person in that moment? Sadly, every day. That doesn't end. And if I, if I start to think I'm good, then I have to contrast that with others being bad. But our guiding prayer is I'm not good and nobody's bad. So where does that leave me? That leaves me with self-respect, prayer that I get to do my best every day, and forgiveness because clearly my actions are my responsibility. I've done plenty of things I regret, and I'll probably do some today. I'll put my foot in my mouth. That tends to be my favorite one, to say something uh, that I shouldn't. And, uh, and then to move on with, uh, to try to do better. But I will say for me, my meditation practice uh, each morning is what really keeps me balanced because I can get up in the morning like many of us do and go, oh no, here comes another day. Here comes me again, doing ready to do things that are less than perfect. How many of us like to be perfectionists? And then to get into a prayerful state where I connect and I feel like it's going to be okay and I might even do some good in between all the chaos. But as Sikhs, we say the good I do, the, <laughs> the bad I do is my responsibility and the good I do is because that was permitted by God. So it's, it's a very high standard to take responsibility for all your shortcomings and to hand on all of your uh, virtues as, as being, uh, being a gift from the divine. It, it's a tall standard, and that does have to lead you to humility, which is where we try to stay while being very active in the world. And there's a, a key juxtaposition there in Sikhism. We call it Midi and Piti, or Shakti and, and Bhakti, which are kind of opposing forces of devotion and action, of, of spirituality and, and a householder's life. And they both have to exist side by side. So confronting your shortcomings seems to be a key, a key mission of our spirituality and of our faith. And thinking about that balance between devotion and action, and you've mentioned during this conversation how important it is within Sikhism to be active within your community, your local and the global community. Where does the emphasis lie when thinking about your intention versus your action? Within some religions, the emphasis is really on having good intention, um, and whereas others really believe it's the action, regardless of intention, that's most important. How does that emphasis feel to you as a Sikh? That emphasis, as I've learned it, is your ability to discipline yourself, to live a disciplined life. Because who does all good things all day long? Who wants to be that good all the time? Maybe kind every moment. You don't get to, you don't have, get to have a bad thought. You don't, get to, you don't get to do anything that's not perfect. And if you do now, you're bad. That is an incredible burden. But what we look toward is self-discipline. And when we commit to something, when we decide to do something, say if it's meditate a half hour in the morning or pray a certain number of times a day or at certain times or say all our prayers or never raise our voice or don't be angry. It's hard to, it's hard to command your mind not to be angry if you, have, you know, if you need to go to anger management. But there is, we look towards our discipline to guide us to the life we want to live. We consider our discipline to be our friend. 
And if you could give our listeners one piece of advice about how they could go out today or tomorrow and live a life of goodness and be the best person they could be, what would be a one piece of advice that you'd like to share with them? My piece of advice would be to fill your own tank, to take care of yourself first, and not out of selfishness, but as a gift to everyone around you. Because if you are well, then you will help make the people around you well. If you think you have to be so good that you don't have to run around and do all these good things and you're, from, you're not centered in yourself, you don't love or respect yourself, um, you're not calm and focused but irate, then you might do a lot more. <laughs> you might do more damage than good in attempting to get there. And if, if you can take care of yourself, then you'll show up differently for your partner, for your families, for your work, for your what we call save off, which is our service to society. And even your dog will get treated a little better if you, uh, if you fill your tank. And our prayers, prayer seeks is that your tank may be full and that you may be blessed and happy. My deepest thanks to Simran for taking the time to talk with me. And I also want to send a huge thanks to everyone at SeekNet who connected me to Simran for this interview. SeekNet is a global virtual community for all those interested in the Sikh way of life. And it's a great place to go if you're curious and want to learn more about Sikhism. You can visit SeekNet.com. I'll add a link in the show description. And they provide news, educational services and educational materials on Sikhism. They've created a beautiful, non-judgmental community for anyone interested in Sikhism. And I can personally vouch for how friendly and approachable the SeekNet community is. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more episodes and interviews exploring the question of what it means to be a good person in today's world, then please visit howtobegood.co.uk or subscribe on your favourite podcast listening platform. And if you'd like to support the podcast, then head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash explore goodness and you can buy me a warm drink to help with the creation of these episodes. Thank you for listening. Please share with your friends. And if you have any questions or suggestions, email me at any time. It's sarah at howtobegood.co.uk. And I always love to hear from you. Thank you.